Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, with my friend, my fellow church member, co-host, academic advisor, not my academic advisor, but an academic advisor, Ross Ferguson. Hey, we're back again. I feel like it's been a long time since we've been in this room. Well, it's because we always do like four or five episodes at once, and then we're like, yeah, I'll see you in a couple months or whatever it is. <laughs> Even though I just saw you yesterday. We had lunch yesterday. It was like I asked this weekend, uh, you know, what what was the fourth one we recorded? I literally had no idea what That's we right. had said. It's been a while. And you know, it was good that the, the last one that we recorded that we forgot about, um, and actually comes out today, the day that we're recording this, is How Not to Be a Jerk. Yeah. And I was glad to share it this morning when it published because last night, man, some people just went on a tear. They were being real jerks. I blocked like four people this morning. I woke up this morning, and uh, after my my Bible time, I looked at my uh, social media mentions, and man, I was like, man, block that guy, block this guy, block. And I thought, how not to be a jerk actually fits today. Do you know what was really funny is I listened to it on the way to the to the room today. Okay, and about halfway through, I thought. I feel like Jared's maybe getting impatient with me. Because <laughs> if you listen to it, for yeah. the listeners, if you listen to it about halfway through the podcast, yeah. you kind of just go, mm, yeah, we're on a tangent. Let's get back to this. Oh, my word. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I feel like I, I kind of portrayed the behavior in the first half that we're trying to avoid. I'll have to go back and, and listen to it myself to see if maybe I was being a jerk in the middle of the of the jerk episode. Hey, man, how was your Thanksgiving? Well, we're. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm throwing you, you off you here because totally we're in the time machine, but <laughs> we're, we're like, what don't say you're going to do it because this comes out after Thanksgiving. Okay, so, okay. Say, so act like you did it. Here we go. We went to oh, Arkansas yeah. uh, and we spent some time with one of our friends' family uh, who happened to be Mexican. Okay. So um, our Thanksgiving was. Um, Mexicans, Americans, and Scottish people. Like yeah. that, that to me maybe doesn't seem like the right mix, but hey, we make it work. A so. Scottish family at a Mexican Thanksgiving in Arkansas. It, you it got sounds it, you like got an indie movie. It sounds like something that would come out. <laughs> and this is where the <laughs> time the machine warp is going to go crazy. Uh, I assume okay. this is what happened when we went and traveled. Yeah. Uh, that traveling in the car with my girls, man, I need to pray for patience during okay. that. Because some of us, can go from one destination to another without needing to stop 500 times. Right. Uh, others need to stop every 10 minutes. And I am the bad guy because I'm like, no, we, we haven't done 10 miles yet. You know, <laughs> we're not stopping. <laughs> so my Thanksgiving was basically me telling my children, no, I'm not stopping this car again. Yeah. Did you not have long travels in Scotland? Every drive is... Not is really. Like short. You can go from east to west coast, like literally from the each coast in two hours. You okay. can go from Edinburgh to London, which for those who don't know the map, like literally from the middle of one country to the bottom of the other country in yeah. five hours. So the idea of doing five hours and all you see is fields um, here. <laughs> <laughs> like we did we did uh, Kansas City all the way up to the top of North Dakota, all the way back through North and South Dakota, all the way back to Kansas City. And I think, you know, each way, it was something like 15 hours each way. And there was a point, I think we had driven for like maybe two hours. And I turned to Mary, my wife, and just said, do you know, we could die out here and literally no one would know. <laughs> <laughs> there are portions in the Midwest, just driving from here to like the middle of Kansas, which I've done a few times. It feels like you're driving across Mars. <laughs> there are portions, especially once you get into like 35, 45 minutes into Kansas, past the Kansas border. 
it just feels like. And I was just traveling with one of your fellow ministry residents to Kansas this last weekend, Travis. And uh, Travis, (laughs) I mean, it was the, (laughs) God bless him. In the middle of it, Travis goes, it's so beautiful out here. (laughs) I I was like, it looks like we're on the moon. What are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's beautiful, but there's no trees. There's no... It's not like mountains or—I mean, what do you mean? And it was brown. I mean, it's the middle of November, you know. It's well, kind of crazy. What you do have here is you can drive in a straight line. And I actually joke about it in the car. It's like, oh, here comes a curve. This yeah. is this is the first curve we've seen in 200 miles. Yeah. Where, uh, like, we used to drive Stirling to Helensburgh in Scotland, which is maybe a 45-minute journey. Um, if it was a straight line, it would be 10 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was yeah. so windy, and our, our kids tend to get car sick. So when we used to go to church, it was very much one of those things of three changes of clothes okay. to get to church, and everyone would be like, hey, it's lovely to see you. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yes. we're here. Just like, <laughs> right. let, let us in. <laughs> we're ready for the grace. Yes, yes. we and, need and the refreshments. I'm even surprised Travis would even say that too, because, I mean, he's from upstate New York, which is beautiful. He pastored in Vermont, which is beautiful. So, I, I mean, I guess it's yeah. just different. Two places I've never been. Okay, New maybe York. you should try. I mean, I've flown into New York yeah. multiple times, but I don't think you can count having a New York pizza in the airport at midnight as being in New York. No. I, I, in fact, I think I sometimes count that I've been to Wisconsin. When I count how many states I've been to, I count Wisconsin because I flew through Milwaukee once. And I, so, But I don't even think I left the airport. So my mom does this. <laughs> the rule is you've got to step outside of the airport. Okay. If you step outside the airport— She's actually been to some states where she's driven through and she's just got out of the car, put a foot on the ground, and we're like, done. <laughs> I've been to that state. She's maybe been yeah. to like 26 states or something like okay. that. Uh, how many she just put one foot in? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And I've heard some people say you can't count it unless you spent the night there. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you could spend the night in the airport, but what's the, di- like, what if I got there in the morning and spent the whole day having fun and I saw all the sights? And then I left before the evening. You're saying I, I can't count it? And what do you do with tight Scotsmen who refuse to pay for a, a staying overnight? Like, I'm not going to pay for a night just to make me say, I've got yeah. one more state. I'm not doing that. Okay. I think we're going back to the previous episode. <laughs> How not to be a jerk. But, you know, it's kind of a pet peeve for you, perhaps. It, it is a pet peeve. Wow, yeah. you're doing really well here I, with I'm your tr- I'm trying my best. You know, we've talked previously about pastor pet peeves or preacher pet peeves, and we've talked about worship leader pet peeves. I thought, because we've had a few questions submitted for sort of the, the For the Church podcast mailbag related to student ministry, I thought, well, why don't we sort of bunch up the topic together and do youth minister pet peeves? And it's really funny because we were just talking before the show, and I, I, I said to you, you know, obviously there's like two or three things on the top of my head, uh, but I didn't really like write anything down. And you, you said, I have nine things. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a list, apparently, that we're going to be working through. I have a list. I'm sure there are some things that are on your list that are the things that I'm thinking of. Youth Minister Peppies, since you have such an extensive <laughs> uh, array of grievances against student ministers or student ministry, why don't you start? What's your number one pet peeve? And I'm going to apologize in advance on how <laughs> blunt I'm going to be on some of these. Okay. Uh, my first one is like an overarching one, which is behaving like a complete and utter fool <laughs> just to feel cool before the teenagers. Mm, you got a real problem with that. Why are, yeah. you trying to, why are you trying to act cool? My, my main issue is that it's not acting cool. It's okay. actually just like acting like a complete and utter idiot and doing okay. stupid things. And that makes you cool in front of the teenagers because, you know, <laughs> like you break the rules of the church and you're willing yeah. to do things that are a little bit edgy. 
And all the parents are just going, what an idiot. Like we just, <laughs> I, it, it drives me insane. It basically is treating the role as trying to be the cool, funky guy rather than actually understanding what a pastor is. Let's, let's ignore the age range, youth pastor, senior pastor, whatever. Just like if you're a pastor or minister, you're not meant to be known for acting the fool. Yeah. So when I was a kid, probably, oh, sixth grade, maybe. We had in our church something called Disciple Now, which is kind of common in Southern Baptist circles over here. And it's basically like a weekend, a conference weekend for youth ministers. And you bring in other youth pastors sometimes or other leaders who will host people in different homes. And in any event, our home was a host home for the seniors or whatever, the high school seniors. So I'm a fifth, you know, sixth grader. I'm looking up to all these kids. They're staying in our house. There's a youth pastor from out of town who's the one who's staying in our house. And then they all get together and we get to go. I thought it was so neat. I got to go to the, the Disciple Now event when they were all together. And the youth pastors are all, all up together and they're doing a thing. And they did this thing where one of them took their shirt off, which first of all. No. Yeah, no. Secondly, it, it gets worse. If you think that's bad, uh, they put peanut butter in his armpit. Oh, my. Uh, which is another no. And then another youth pastor took a piece of bread and s- smeared it in the other guy's armpit and then ate the bread. And everyone was grossed out and, and that sort of thing. And then they also, they picked each other's nose and ate it. They ate what was in each other's noses. And I remember sitting there going, man, being a youth pastor seems like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> because I was a, an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> it's just, it's <clears throat> like even just talking about this, I'm like, I'm struggling not to go back to the previous episode of How Not to Be a Jerk. I'm just like... <laughs> Do you know what it is? It is it's just a, a, a way overemphasis of trying to be fun and cool yeah. and, and trying to get the attention of teenagers and just not realizing like you have jumped off the cliff of, of what is yeah. appropriate. This is sort of a tangential. I actually didn't have this on my mental list, but the aging youth pastor, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. In fact, in a lot of respects, I think the older youth pastor is probably better. Because they don't, <laughs> act, the they don't act like a fool. Very often. But the older, the aging youth pastor who's trying to look yes. cool, that's the kind of the acting cool yeah. part. And I don't, notice, I don't mean necessarily like the outrageous, gross out stuff. I think by and large, youth pastors today do that less than some of the ones like when I was a kid. Mm. I'm sure, I know it's still out there. But when I think of like the chubby bunny games where you oh, see stuff in your, you know, just all those sort of outrageous things. I know there's guys who are still doing that, but I don't think it's as widespread as it was. But the aging guy who's still trying to look younger, yep. his hairstyle, his clothes, you know. What, why are you <laughs> waving your hand at me? Nothing. I have on a plaid shirt <laughs> and a gray coat. Am I trying to look a particular way? No comment. No comment? <laughs> Whatever. I'm, t- you know, I'm talking about like they're, they're trying to look yeah. like Kanye or something. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I served in a church where, although this individual wasn't the actual youth pastor, but was very much spearheading the kind of youth yeah. ministry, and again would put on youth activities and then stand at the side the whole time just watching because kind of I don't mean to be rude, but kind of too old to be involved in those activities, mm. and it just kind of felt like your granddad was standing at the side, kind of <laughs> just staring at you. And again, it. It's not the the aging element is is wrong, and I agree with you. I think it brings a maturity to it. I think 
there is a way that you can join in. There is a way that you can be active with teenagers in ministry without acting a complete fool, without seeming disengaged. And it kind of speaks to my second one with also out being overly serious as well. There's, okay. a, there's a fine balance between so all of these you, things. You, we would both say on the first one, it's not about not having fun or being always serious. It's about yep. not being foolish, yep. not being overly silly and, and immature. And in fact, we would expect out of student ministers whether you're a pastor in that church or an elder in that church or not, there's an aspiration yeah. for that, and therefore you should be pursuing maturity and leading in a mature way and setting an example for maturity. But now your second it's, idea yeah. is the over-seriousness. Yep. Which does tend to come with the slightly older youth pastors. Okay. And again, I've, I've kind of got something in mind um, more towards these kind of 30s, 40s, um, and just, again, overly, overly serious. Every study was heavy, um, very little fun, very much like if you want to be, you know, a godly man, a godly woman in the future, you must get this now mm. and you must study every day and just overly serious, which kind of just trains younger people to feel that faith is robotic. If, if I do these steps and, I, and I'm and i serious about these things, then, then I'll mean something to God. It kind of rips out the element of gospel centrality. It's, it's more legalism at, as a 12-year-old, and it's, yeah. just, it's just too serious. And and I was, again, this is, I'm overemphasizing this, but this does tend to be the slightly older youth pastor that's trying to make the ministry even more serious, more meaningful, trying to do something different, but the opposite of the foolish young, young one. Yeah, there's a burden there. Uh, you know, I think well, I, I, maybe I should save this because at the end we're going to do what we like the youth, youth ministers do. Let, let us complain so first. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll save what I was about to say for, for that moment. Um, okay, what's number three on, on your list? Being disorganized because youth ministry is chill. <laughs> because it's chill. Chill. Like, how cool am I saying <laughs> The reality is if you're disorganized, you're you're rarely chill, actually. Well, Unless you're just lazy. Yeah, mm, that might be what I'm getting <laughs> okay. at. But yeah, youth ministry just tends to be like, hey, we're going to go on a field trip. It's Saturday. We're going tomorrow. Do you okay. know, it's just like, <laughs> right. or yeah, we're going on a youth weekend. It'll cost you $40 a week later. Actually, it's $100. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's being disorganized and yeah. kind of using the excuse, oh, it's youth ministry. It's, oh, it's kind of like that, isn't it? It's actually, no, it should okay. be organized. You should have parents know where their children are going to be, what their children are going to be doing. To be disorganized is is basically to disrespect the fact that you are caring for someone's children in that moment. Hmm. Man, you can tell that <laughs> this yeah, is an issue. I, for me. I, I, it, it has the feel of coming from experience in some way. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the idea like you walk into the youth pastor's office and it's you know falling apart. Yep. And there's things you know everywhere, and you know it's just sort of like having a grown-up kid or having a another kid kind of yeah. running the kids, which is in some respects necessary. Well, I mean, not necessary, but it's understandable that this is in some ways an entry-level ministry job, and yet we're giving the most vulnerable members of our congregation to the least developed and least mature <laughs> entry-level. You almost want to say, like, this is a recipe for disaster. You know, this is a guy who was just a kid himself, yep. and we're putting him in charge of the kids. It's kind of weird. You've just touched on another pet peeve for okay, me. Okay, all right. Just as you said I'm that. Jumping down the list? Yeah, yeah, you're jumping down the list. Okay. Youth ministry being a stepping stone. 
Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, you just said, oh, it's like an entry <clears throat> level and, you know, he might have aspirations. Yeah. I actually have a bit of an issue with that. Okay. That we hire youth pastors with a mindset that they'll do this for a period of time and then they will graduate to assistant pastor oh, and graduate to associate pastor. And I, I don't know several guys like this, I, you know, not going to name any names, but, but being in a seminary context, quite a lot of guys I speak to go, you know, oh, I'm... 24, 25, 26. Yeah, I can't really get the pastor position. I'll do youth ministry in a church and, and then I'll kind of graduate from that. And that kind of bugs me because it means you're going into youth ministry already thinking how you get out of it. Right. And if you're called to youth ministry, then do youth ministry. And if you're not, don't do it. It's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Like, So I, I was an associate pastor in a church and I started as the associate pastor kind of over time by nature of just roles developing i kind of moved more to associate pastor for students um after a year of doing that i i left because i'm not called to that subset yeah. ministry on its own and if you <clears throat> it's early morning <laughs> both of our voices are still warming up if if you're going into youth ministry going like Oh, at 25, no one's going to look at me as assistant, associate, whatever. Oh, I'll, I'll just do youth for a couple of years now, get me some experience. Don't use the church's teenagers for your resume padding out. Do you yeah. know, like, do youth ministry because you're called to. Now, you might end up becoming a pastor sure. from that, you know, in terms of associate, assistant, senior, whatever. I think that it's should true be the if, aim. I mean, that's true of any role, right? I mean, even if, like, you know, the roles that are available to you are, are limited. And you can see, I don't know that I want to be called to this long term. You should still go in and be all in. Exactly. You should still pursue the Lord's call to that yep. role and and not begrudge the sense of like, oh, this is just a transition. Yep. And treat it as if it's, you know, transient. Yeah. Treat the people as if they're a stepping stone. Yeah. You should be all in while you're there. I think that's true for any role. But the reality is for young men in particular, there aren't a lot of roles available to them. If they want to get ministry experience and, and they don't want to wait yeah. in some ways, these are the roles. But what we're saying is if you're going to do that, you should really commit to that yeah. and get what you can out of yeah. it. You know, Treat it like real ministry yeah. well, and, and not training wheels. It's the guys that do like, I'm doing youth ministry. Oh, but I'm trying to get preaching on Sundays. And I've been asking for these sermons. I've been, I've been trying to do this and I've got another project. Hang on. This kind of sounds like you don't want to do youth ministry yeah. and you're trying to find a way off. I've got my title. Now I need to figure out how to get the next one. I see. Like if if you're saying you don't have experience and you want experience in a church, doing youth is, is a good way of getting experience, but it shouldn't just be about getting experience. Sure. It should be because you have a genuine heart for that age range and you believe that the Lord is placing you there. Yeah. I don't believe... Mm, okay, I might be overstepping there, but I don't believe that God's just going to go, here, let me use my people for your stepping stone so that you can get somewhere you want. I, I don't right. think that's how God would want us to treat his people. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, some of the best youth pastors that I've known, and you probably as well, are those who have been in ministry for a long time and feel yeah. called to it. Yes. And in some ways you might would expect they have aged out or the culture would expect they've aged out of that. Shouldn't you be an associate pastor or a senior yeah. pastor by now? I mean, there's a couple of guys I know who are my age or even a little bit older who've been in student ministry or family ministry yeah. for, uh, you know, for their entire ministry career, so to speak. And they're really anomalies, but that's where their heart is, yeah. is to help young adults, to help families. 
you know, that's what God has wired them to do. And, yeah. and, and God bless them. I guess we, you know, should pray for more of those yeah. sort of folks. You've just rolled into another pet peeve oh my of gosh, mine. So I'm You're just, just rolling I'm, straight into them. I'm doing them. some great transition work. Here. <laughs> um, yeah. My other pet peeve is how the church treats youth pastors. And, okay. and you kind of mentioned it there. Oh, you shouldn't you be a senior pastor now? Uh, so I think the church body um, tends to treat youth pastors in kind of two or three ways. One, uh, thanks for coming in. We'll see you go in two years because we kind of know that you should be an associate pastor. So, you know, we'll give you this role, get some experience and then go. So again, almost the youth pastor is seeing as a stepping stone. The church sees it as a stepping stone and kind of expects that. I think we can often um, treat our youth pastors like little kids as well. Uh, if you know, And again, this plays a little bit into youth pastors have to have the right behavior, but we kind of expect our youth pastors to be a little bit foolish. We kind of expect them mm. to be a little bit childish. We kind of treat them a little bit childish, you know, in members meetings. Oh, here comes the youth pastor's report. Let's see what hilarity has gone on. <laughs> right. Do you know, like... He's got a jar of peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds horrible. I'm sorry. It, it was horrible. Does. But as an 11-year-old boy, I just, you know, my eyes were wide, man. <laughs> <laughs> but And I think that's the thing is that our church kind of, when I say our church, I'm just meaning the church, yeah. kind of wants that. And, and so we kind of expect it. So... We don't elevate a level of seriousness that, that youth pastors should have. Uh, but one of the things that that I wrote down just kind of on this subject is that really parents not seeing that a youth pastor job is in fact a job that is, needs to be fulfilled and they just see it more as childcare. Like I can yeah. throw my kids into Friday night youth club yeah. and they'll get childcare where actually the youth pastor is trying to do a job. He is trying to fulfill a role for the church and he isn't just your child care. Um, yeah, this maybe dovetails with one of my pet peeves. Oh, here we go. Wait, we're, we're, we've head. got here. Yeah, yeah, in my in my mental list. So the idea of student ministry as a kind of babysitting or entertainment, so you know, that's on the parental or even the church expectation or even the student expectation. But I guess the corollary to that is one of my pet peeves with the way student ministry is often done in evangelicalism is this kind of siloing them away yeah. from the church, yeah. from the wider body. And if we are staring down, last toll was 70% dropout rate yeah. um, in the States, at least, of students who leave the church after they graduate high school, go away to college, kind of the young adult age. We have to think about how do we win our students to the life of the church, what we have done for 30, 40 years is win them to youth group. Agree. And then once youth group is over, well, there's nothing for me, right? Churches for moms and dads. Yeah. You know, so the good news is a lot of them come back. They know from the data, like, they'll come back once they have families. Um, a great number of them don't come back at all. Yeah. But when they do, it's when they have families and they perceive in this gap yeah. period, it's not for me. This is my time to explore and, you know, create a friend family and— I'm I'm focusing on college or my career or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And some of that is because we've discipled them yeah. into the life of a youth group yeah. and not into the life of the church. So that kind of silo effect yeah. of we do everything all by ourselves. We have our we have our separate worship service. Yep. We have our our separate events. We don't mingle with grown-up church or big church or whatever you call it. 
And I just think that's a that's a disaster. It's a yeah. huge pet peeve of mine. And do you know we actually do that with every generation? If, yeah, if we sit true. and think about it, we, you know we have. Well, it's like Sunday school classes. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We separate them by age. But we have know. youth ministry. We then have student ministry. We have the twenties, thirties. We have the families. We have the seniors. Like we, I, if I can put it as bluntly as this, we need to ditch all of those titles. Yeah, we are a church family, zero to one hundred. If you can't deal with a kid crying in a service or a, a teenager saying like I don't really understand this basic concept of creation or a senior saying like this is way over my head I really just I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus like if you can't have that in one service you're inappropriately dividing the church yeah. um, I'm a big believer in a 0 to 100 church that's it we're one big family no age range it's just we're yeah. all there together my pet peeve is get rid of youth ministry that's kind of what I was <laughs> wow, saying wow alright well there's some who will maybe say too that far, maybe too family far family integrated <laughs> ministry and that yeah, sort of thing maybe too far when I was a church planter and I had only young adults I mean literally I was I was probably the oldest person in the church and I was in my early 30s <laughs> <laughs> so it was all or maybe mid 30s it was all it was all young people mm. and we had small groups of course and it was a small church so we didn't have a whole lot of small groups and we didn't have the small groups weren't all that big but we had a few folks who were married, mm. and I remember one of those couples coming to me saying, we would really like a, a married small group because we don't have anything in common with single folks. <laughs> and I just, it blew my mind. Yeah. I just thought, you're the same age. It's, it's yeah. not even like they're saying we're 50-something years old. And yeah. I mean, even that, we yeah. should be experiencing the multi-generationality. Yeah. Of the church that Christ has formed, yeah. but to be, you know, 28 yeah. and married and think that separates you so significantly from a 26-year-old single person <laughs> and, <laughs> it was just and so here's bizarre the thing. to me. In the church, we always have something in common, that being yeah. our faith in yes, Christ. That's, that's it's exactly the right. great unifier. And we learn from each other. The whole yeah. idea of being in community together is that we can help each other. You can yeah. help that. But anyway— we're, we're outside the school of student ministry here. <laughs> but yeah, the siloing effect yeah. is is a huge pet peeve of mine. I'll give you another one of my pet peeves. I don't okay. know if this is on your list. Another one of mine is when the youth minister is somewhat passive aggressive about parents. Okay, yeah, I've got I've got something. Almost similar. setting kids against parents. Yep. Um, not in maybe not in an intentional way, but always sort of making comments like, I know your you know, your parents don't understand you or <laughs> yep. you know, little digs, little things like that that just subtly sort of what they're trying to do, I think, being charitable, what they're trying to do is be empathetic or yeah. sympathetic to the concerns of, of students who yeah. so, who very often feel like their parents don't understand them or don't get them or, yeah. or there's just issues at home. And the, and the student minister is trying to acknowledge that or at least minister to students who feel that way. But when you just sort of reinforce yeah. that you know, divorce or that yeah. distinct you know, that separation or that tension— you're really not siding with pain. Yeah. You're, you're not supporting the you know the family. You're you're kind of fueling more and more grievance. Yeah. You should be on the on the side of the students and the parents. Agree. Yeah, totally agree. I I heard one story from one youth pastor, and he said he would never do this again. He said that he he talked about honoring parents and and what that looks like. And then he said just one kind of throwaway phrase, you know. But you also don't honor your parents' sin. So that that was just a little throwaway phrase. And one of the teenagers in his group. Went home, his parents uh, were frustrated with him because of some grades at school, a little bit shouty, and said teenager just went, you're sinning in your anger and I will not honor you. <laughs> and, oh, my wow. youth, and my youth pastor agrees. Huh. So, And it was kind of one of those things of you have to be really careful how you bring parents into those conversations. Yeah, that's true. 
But yeah, I, I'm a parent of three. And one of my pet peeves is actually kind of similar to the sense that when my kids are in kids ministry or when they kind of grow up into youth and student ministry, if they still exist. <laughs> if your kids still exist? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> you mean student ministry? <laughs> the student ministry. Oh, that went bad very quickly. Um, yeah, no, I want them to engage with me. I don't want to be embattled to my children or right. to the youth pastor. We're kind of all working together here. You That's know, right. God has given roles for our children and how they should live their lives. The, the, the youth pastor is trying to help them with that. And, and ultimately, we're trying to raise them like that. So yeah. we kind of need to be working together, not against each other. Well, and I think it's a good plug for the increasing emphasis of family ministry. Yeah. You know, whether you go the family integrated route or not and blow up your student ministry, I don't, I personally don't think that's necessary in, in every context. But certainly student ministers who want to come alongside parents. Yeah. You're, you're not the replacement discipleship for you, you, yeah. you know, for these children. You're a resource of the family, yes. a resource of the church to aid in their discipleship. So how can you be an ally yep. of, of parents and, and, and come alongside them? Um, and that, I think, speaks to parents as well. Mm. How can you support the youth minister? Because there's so many situations where parents are expecting the youth minister to just be a glorified babysitter yeah. or to be some kind of entertainer. And they're disgruntled if the students uh, are disappointed because there there wasn't enough fun or something yeah. like that. Rather than immediately having a grievance with a student minister, begin to think, well, you know, uh, let me understand what the approach to ministry yeah. is, and maybe it, it shouldn't just be recreation time yeah. and, and those sorts of things. So trying to kind of bridge the gap between Christian parents and and student ministry, mm. I think, is mm. is helpful. You got another. I got another one. Uh, you're interested in the youth or youth night, okay. and then you're not engaging with them on Sundays when you see them out and about, or you don't talk to okay. them when you see them out in town. It's like you're a, a one night youth pastor, okay. and outside of All that, right. teenagers get away. I don't want to talk to you. So it kind of disen an engagement, yeah. and then a disengagement. And again, this kind of comes back to a little bit about how you view youth ministry. Yeah. If it's a stepping stone you don't get heavily involved in people's lives because you're kind of concentrating on the next thing that you want to do. Where if you're doing the role before you, and, and I'm going to bring in this kind of second issue here at the same time, rather than calling yourself a youth pastor, it's youth and families pastor, because you're really looking at the, the teenager, the child, the student and their family and how they're all engaging together. So, you know, yes, you've got youth club, you know, yes, you've got maybe youth Sunday school, but what is what are those youths going through during the week? What exams do they have? Could you send a, a, a you know a, a package to the family's door off? You know, here's some exam stress busting chocolate or something like that. <laughs> sure. Do you know? And it's it's just engaging on a on a larger level. And and I've seen this done really well. But we're not we're not onto the good things yet. Yeah. On the pet peeves, I've seen this done really badly. Where genuinely, I've seen um, youth workers completely disengage with with the teenagers during a church service kind of along the lines of stop bugging me you're you're my job you're not my calling wow. um and 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 i think that's there's less of a pet peeve and more just a horrible way to treat children yeah. in your church i mean it's unrelational it's it's unpastoral what what exactly. we're saying is we would love to see the student pastor be a pastor and not just the spokesperson or yeah. to be the you know, the MC or the yeah. host of the event or the event organizer, but to actually shepherd, yeah. to actually pastor folks. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay. My last one. Last one. All right. Far too much food. <laughs> Far too much food. There you go. That's it. Okay. That's, that's it. it. That's it. 
Far too much food. Let's go to the youth event and pile the food in the mouths of the youth. <laughs> Should we have pizza? Yeah, let's order 25 pizzas for 25 kids. Yeah. Do you know? Should we have ice cream? Great. Have 20 scoops. Like, I get that you want to love on the kids. I get that you want to be like cool, fun. But seriously, cool it down with how much food you're giving them at, at their youth. <laughs> I feel like this also comes from uh, some place of, of yes, experience. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't do, don't be stingy. Like I, yeah. my kids have come back from some things and be like, "I'm really hungry." Yeah, do you know. But on the flip side, if my kids are looking green as they're coming out from the <laughs> amount of food they've had, now maybe there's a gluttonous issue. You yeah. know, that is in my own household, but. I feel like that's all usually a standard in youth youth ministry. Really, let's just pile the food in. It's just never occurred to me. I mean, I now the, I, the 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 presence of food certainly has. We're gonna yeah. have. We're gonna get them in with pizza, or we're gonna yeah. have a pizza party, or it's usually pizza. That's usually it's usually it pizza. It's easy to, yeah. to, to order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to order and to to stack up and everything else. But I, I don't think it's ever occurred to me to think like this is too much. You're giving people too much food. I was about to suggest that you go and visit some youth, <laughs> youth events. Okay. Don't do that. Right. Um, but yeah, in my experience, there's always been like, uh, I don't know if you have the same phrase, tuck shop. Do you have that phrasing? A tuck, tuck shop? A tuck shop. No, no. Oh, okay, some cultural engagement here. Tuck yeah. shop is like your little candy store that you're going to have at the end of your youth event. You can bring like a dollar and you can buy. <laughs> okay, like a snack bar. Okay, tuck shop. Okay. Uh, snack bar, tuck snack shop. Bar. Yeah. And so kids are coming out like, look how much I've got. And they're like massive bags. And you're like, you're eating that tomorrow, <laughs> not tonight. Oh, I also had pizza and we had ice cream tonight. And you're like, okay, ah, I see what's happening. Now, don't hear me wrong. I am a massive fan of pizza. Okay. I love milkshakes. I love ice cream. I love candy. So these are not a kind of, I'm not anti-sugar, anti-pizza. This, this is sounding really culturally specific, actually. <laughs> It yeah. is. I have an issue with how much food is placed into youth ministry, as if okay. that has to be there to again have a cool. You know, Jesus invites us to his banqueting table. Don't, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> he satisfies the mouths of the hungry, yeah. and teenage boys are voracious eaters. Yeah. Uh, no. Anyway, it's like it's, it's never occurred to me okay. that there's too much food. Well, hey, maybe the listeners can comment on things. Uh, like yeah. Head on to Twitter. Tell us. Yeah. Does your youth ministry tend to have too much food? Well, let's be positive now. Okay. We just did 34 <laughs> minutes, give or take, on on pet peeves. What are some things you like that student ministers do, or what do you like to see? I love to see youth pastors celebrate the youth in the church. Okay. Um, so when something is going well in their lives, you know, they've passed an exam or, you know, they've just got their driver's license. Um, and I love to see that celebration both privately and publicly. So if you're genuinely serving the family, not just the, not just the teenager, um, then then you're going to celebrate that with them. So I've I've seen youth pastors be invited to a, youth, uh, a kind of pizza night or whatever, celebrating that you yeah. know the, the the child has just got all their grades and they're heading off to college. You know, I, I've seen that engagement because they celebrate it. But I think also on a at, at a church, you know, members meeting or, or or church service or whatever, like literally saying, "Hey, can you know." Joe and Bill and Jenny, can you all stand up because you've just done your exams and you passed them all. Church, let's celebrate our youth. I, I'd love to see that. I love to um, just see youth pastors just finding joy in the fact that the next generation is going through a really tough society. Yeah, and they're still trying to to honor God as they go through that. I, I think the ones that celebrate that and and really celebrate with the family and with the church in that. It's just such a wonderful feeling when that's part of the church. That's great. 
You know, there's there's two things I think that student ministers should do as a bare minimum. You can do more than this. But the two things I think that are often missing is um, clear Bible teaching, consistent mm-hmm. Bible teaching, that you're not just throwing out topics, so to speak, and you're certainly not just sort of doing vague kind of spiritual TED Talk type mm-hmm. things, but you're actually teaching the Bible and showing um, students the the significance of God's Word, the the sufficiency of God's Word, consistent Bible teaching to win them to the Word of God and and to help them see how the Word of God is, is sustenance for them now, not yeah. just this is grown-up religion stuff. And then the second thing is a relational discipleship, yeah. that they're connected relationally. So it's not yeah. just event-driven. It's not just the, the youth group experience. But they're, uh, as much as possible, discipled, cared for. I think we've talked a little bit about sort of the shepherding angle. Obviously, depending on the size of the youth group, the student minister may not be able to do this for everybody. So it becomes important that the kind of volunteers you bring in, are they just sort of glorified you know, babysitter types? Yeah. Or are they the kind of volunteers, um, other leaders uh, who care for students as well, yeah. who have a heart? They're not just warm bodies. You know, are there other are there families you know, the one concern I have, because I, I do think the emphasis on family ministry and, and family integration in that sense is important, but student ministry seems to be an open door for um, very often uh, for lost kids. Yeah. Like people bring their friends. Yeah. And if you're going to blow up your student ministry, this is the major problem I have with the idea yeah. of blowing up student ministry. People say, we should just have family integrated stuff, is to say, well, it it, it closes off an opportunity yeah. or an avenue that's a that's a usually a, you know sometimes a prime avenue for lost people to come into your church and experience you know to hear the gospel. Are there Christian families that you can employ in the discipleship culture of your student ministry, where those lost kids can have access to a home on a regular basis, yeah. where they see a godly family and and there's warmth and, and and welcome and they can hear the gospel. We have to be mindful of believing kids who yeah. come into the orbit. In ways that many often, you know, very often unbelieving adults don't come into the main service, or if they do, that's on their own kind yeah. of thing. So the relational discipleship, consistent Bible teaching, all the other stuff is kind of gravy. I think yeah. it's fine to have fun, games. Yep. I think it's fine to have food. Just don't have too much, according to Ross. <laughs> but it's okay to have food, those sorts of things. That Avoiding the over-seriousness yep. that you're talking about. But, you, you know, the consistent Bible teaching and relational discipleship really, I mean, I've seen that for my own kids the most important facet for them now as young adults I've seen from their previous student ministry experience was just having access to slightly older believers in the church who you know, took the Lord seriously and set examples for them and cared for them, reached out to them, connected with them relationally. It it won them to the church mm. and not just to kind of a youth groupy experience. Yeah, I think the final thing I would say in terms of just real positives is we're talking a lot about what the youth pastor does, not about who the youth pastor is. And I would say that if you're listening and you're a youth pastor, you need to be the example of what it means to love Jesus, Mm. what it means for your whole life to be directed by Jesus, where you're going to go to college, maybe your your post-college, what you plan to do as a role like, are you showing our youth the example? Because ultimately, youth tend not to listen to their parents. You know, they, they, they're not looking to their parents as the example. They're looking to the 20s or the 30s for the example. Are you being that example that a teenager that's lost or a teenager that's confused can look at and go, 
I see gospel stability. I understand now what this means. I see what it means to date and pursue, you know, a relationship. I understand because I'm looking at my youth pastor and I can imitate Christ because of the way he behaves or because of the way the ministry volunteers behaves. So I would say it, it, as much as you're trying to plan cool events, be involved in your own personal faith of developing your Bible knowledge, your prayer life, how you're living out your example. Because actually, if your youth nights are not, you know, 101 games and all the food and everything, but you're producing teenagers that can leave and, you know, at, at their own weddings or their own ministry roles or going to the mission field, turn back and say, the reason I'm doing this is because I looked at that youth pastor and I just saw the gospel. Like that is, I think you've, you've made it. You have yeah. done your job if you can do that. Yeah, in the long run, if, if you have to make a choice in some way, a deeper impact is better than a wider Yeah, impact, I really agree. For sure. Yeah. All right, it's a good note to end on, I think. Well, I think we did pretty well, 40-some minutes here of grievances and we, then a few minutes of some positive. We oh, can, you, we, no, no, I was just, like, just going to say we can do these pet peeves easily. <laughs> that's for right. We need to come minutes. up with another category, <laughs> pet peeves of what? Sunday school teachers. That's why I've been Sunday asked. Sunday school teachers. Would we be willing to do Sunday school okay. teachers' I don't pet know peeves? that we could do a whole episode, but oh, maybe. I, I don't oh, you know. Could. I don't you, know. Got, you got a list of 10 <laughs> ready to go. All right. Well, stay tuned for our next pet peeves episode. As always, dear listener, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time. May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.